enjoyed that. Brother Tiny mentioned to me today, it's been seven months since Miss Wanda's gone. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. She's sitting right there. She's in a better place than I am. We get closer to God, but ultimately we are with God. And that's the purpose of it all, right? Ultimately, to get closer to God, then ultimately to be with God. And that's where we're all going. If the Lord tarries, we're all going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, now we must, by the grace of God, act like we should be going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is the struggle. So let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 18 this evening. Exodus chapter 18, as we've been studying through the book of Genesis, now Exodus. Looking at the children of Israel, life of Moses. And some of the struggles that they went to. And the reason why we do that, as Paul told us in the book of Romans, because these folks are examples to us. Hard to understand the New Testament unless you get a good grasp of the Old Testament. A lot of people like to skip the Old, as Brother Pete was talking about in Sunday school class. And they do that to their own shame. Because you have to have a good understanding of the Old to be able to comprehend the New. As I've said before, unless you, you cannot under grasp the cries from Calvary until you hear the thunderings from Mount Sinai. You have to understand Moses. You have to understand the law. You have to understand prophecy. You have to understand Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah a little bit. If you want to know more about what's going to happen in the end, you have to know a little bit about Ezekiel and, and, and Daniel especially. Now, all those things put together so you have a, a, a good understanding of the Word of God. If not, you will just drink milk. If you, stay, if you stay only in the New Testament, it's good, but it will only be to some degree milk. You have to add the cereal in, and then some fruit in, and then on the side, get some biscuits and gravy and some eggs. i got to stop because I'm getting hungry. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. And we'll look at verse 13. It came to pass on tomorrow that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood by Moses from the morning until eve until the evening. And Moses' father-in-law saw that he did to the people. He said, "What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone? And all the people stand by thee from morning until evening, even." And Moses said to his father-in-law, "Because the people come unto me to inquire of God, when they have a matter, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel, and God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, and thou mayest bring the causes unto God. Thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws. Thou shalt show them the way when thou, thou must walk and work that they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of thy people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, a place such over them to be rulers of thousands and of rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. Let them judge the people at all seasons, and it, shall, and it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, but every small matter they shall, not, they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. 
if thou shalt do this thing and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure for all the people shall go also to their place in peace. So Moses hearkened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all the Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And, the, and they judged the people at all seasons. The hard cases they brought unto Moses, but the very small matter they judged themselves. And Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way unto his own land. Father, we thank you for all that you've done again tonight. We thank you for allowing us to be in your house once again to hear your word, to fellowship, to sing these wonderful songs, to give back to you what you've given to us. I pray, Lord, you, you would bless uh, the preaching and the listening, the hearing of thy word this evening. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. You ever find yourself with too many irons in the fire? You ever find yourself too too busy? Too busy. If the devil can't get you in one spot, he'll try to get you in another. Meaning if he can't get you where you're so lazy, you're not much good for anything. And some people are. He will get you so busy that you're not good for anything. He gets you so stretched out that you're not really good at anything. You're the jack of all trades, master of none. You ever met a folks like that person like that? Too busy. I, I, you, can you come pray? Too busy. Can you come visitation? Too busy. Can you come to church? Too busy. Too busy, too busy, too busy. Now, dear friend, it's good to be busy, but there is a place where you get too much. Too much, too much. And such was the situation here with Moses. He had too many irons in the fire. One of the greatest lessons I learned was going to college, Bible college. Because more important, though I maybe say, I should say equally important than what I learned in the classrooms is what I learned or had to learn, you have to learn this, is called time management. Because when you're a freshman in college, you have opportunities to do so many things. <laughs> they are everywhere. Be a part of this society. Run for this. Run for that. Do this. Do that. Go here. Work there. You have opportunities galore. <laughs> and you have to make a decision. What are you going to do? And many of freshmen make the mistake of getting busy doing too many things, and they fail to do the one thing they must do, which is study. You're there to study. Now, is extracurricular activities a part of your college experience? Well, sure it is. But, dear friend, extracurricular activities probably will not get you a job after you graduate. They will want to know, what was your GPA? Did you, how, how did, you, did, you, did you graduate cum laude, magna cum laude, or just loud? <laughs> or no loud at all? <laughs> or did you graduate at all? What happened to you? You get so busy doing the other things. Because why? Because we want to please our friends. We want to make people happy. We want to be a part of something. And that happens. It happens in college, and I saw it. And by the grace of God, I didn't get caught up in that trap. I had to learn the lessons of, okay, now, as a freshman, I have to wash the clothes. No more mama doing it for me. I have to Iron my clothes. No more mama doing it for me. I have to get myself up. 
No more family doing it for me. So it taught me to the area that all of us must learn, either through college or military or through life, is being disciplined with your time. And that is a great, great, great importance, great skill, gift that you have. Because some people, they waste too much time in life. They don't get up when they should get up. How many times are you going to hit the snooze button? 50? And when they get up, they don't wake up. It takes them like five coffees, three Starbucks, two teas, two Mountain Dews, and they maybe get up after that. And maybe about 12, they're good for something, possibly. Know anybody like that? I can name a few, but I won't. Man, don't be that way. Don't be that. Don't be, don't be like that. Man, be disciplined. Angie's dad used to say to her and her, her, her siblings, get up. And when you get up, do something. <laughs> On Saturday morning. <laughs> when you want to sleep in. No, get up and do something. So here it is, Moses, who's very busy. Now he knows us, you know, he's, he, God has been using this man 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the backside of the desert, Midian, then 40 years he's going to lead God's people. God has used him in a great way. The plagues, as you've, if we've read, you've studied, you've watched Ten Commandments because Easter's already come and gone. You see what God has done through him. And now he's, he's having to have this opportunity to minister to these 2.5 to 3 million people. And what are they doing? They're coming to the man of God. They're asking him. They're inquiring him. They're, they're talking to him about issues, about problems, about difficulties. And you can just imagine with 2.5 to 3 million people, the amount of questions, the amount of people that would be lined outside his tent. I can't imagine. No secretary either, as far as we know. And what did his father-in-law do? He came to him, and he showed concern. He showed concern. How can you and I avoid making bad decisions in life? Well, the Bible gives us some basic principles. First of all, have the right kind of relationship with God. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him let ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and that shall be given to him. On a regular basis, really a daily basis, you, should, you and I should start by saying, God, give me wisdom. And you know what? He wants to give it to you. God wants to give you wisdom. Secondly, have good relationship with the right kind of people. If you hang around lazy people, you will be lazy. If you hang around drunks, you'll be a drunk. If you hang around gossips, you'll be a gossip. If you hang around talebearers, you'll be a talebearer. If you hang around liars, you'll be a liar. You hang around thieves, you'll be a thief. You lay down with dogs, you'll rise up with fleas. You can't run with a skunk and smell like a rose. The Bible says it this way. He that walk with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. The Bible says the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Be careful about spending too much time with unsaved folks. Else you'll be worshiping 
their gods. You say, well, I'm trying to get them to come over to Jesus. I'm trying to get them to come over to Jesus. Before long, they'll get you to come over to their Jesus. And they'll have you worshiping at their shrine, at their altar. Be careful, because you have an old Adamic nature, meaning you have an old sin nature that still wants to sin. And your whole mind, you're thinking in your mind, I'm trying to help them. Before long, they're pulling you into places you should not be, doing things you should not be doing. And saying the whole time, I'm doing this for the right reason when you're really not. Have right type of relationship. Have good relationship with the right type of people. Have a right relationship with the scriptures. 2 Timothy 3.15, that from a child that's known the holy scriptures, were able to make thee wise in the salvation through faith was in Jesus Christ. Fourth, have a proper perspective of what true wisdom is and where to get it. The word of God, wise people. There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 19, For the wisdom of this world is, is foolishness with God. For it's written, He that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. If we look at Moses at this juncture, we find that from morning to evening, Moses judged the people and listened to their disputes. And Jethro observed the situation. And he says, What are you doing, Moses? Why are you doing this alone? This doesn't make sense. Does it make sense? Of course, Moses answers them. People come to inquire of me. They want to know what God's will is for their life. And of course, Moses wants to help them in their life. He's doing the right thing. Unfortunately, he's doing it the wrong way. You can do the right thing, but the wrong way. You can do the right, the right thing, but the wrong way. That's why we must ask God to show us what we should do, and not only that, how we should do it. The Bible says in Psalm 27, verse 11, Teach me that way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. I don't know about you, but I need God to show me plainly what's right or wrong. I'm like Solomon. I feel like I don't know my right hand from my left. Lord, show me, lead me, give me an understanding heart. Lead me in a plain path. I don't want to go down a crooked path. I've been down a crooked path. You've been down a crooked path? I've been down a dark path. I don't want to go back down any dark paths. I've been down a lonely path. I don't want to go down a lonely path. I've been through some painful paths. Oh, I don't want to go through more painful paths. No, teach me, David says. Psalm 143, verse 10, teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me to the land of, of uprightness. God promises to guide those folks who are obedient to him. He will guide us in making decisions. Psalm 25, 9, the meek he will guide in judgment. The meek will he teach his way. He will guide us by wise counsel. Psalm 73, verse 24, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward receive to glory. He will guide us by a still, small voice. John 16, 13, how about when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you in all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Do you ask the Holy Spirit of God to lead you in your life? Or are you afraid of what he will say to you? You're afraid of what he might say to you. He may say, stop doing that. Start doing this. Follow me here. Stop going there. 
think oftentimes we as Christians have grieved the Holy Spirit and no longer listened to his voice. Remember I told you a very biblical principle that God gives you light and as, as you obey the light, he gives you more light. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He tells us to start doing something or stop doing something. And we say no to him. And because of that, we are walking in darkness. And at the same time when we're walking in darkness, and I've seen this in the pattern of people, Christians, who live lives of disobedience at the same time, you know what I hear often them say? I don't get anything out of the messages anymore. You know what that means? They've closed themselves off to hearing the voice of God in their life. At home, they're getting drunk, but nobody else knows about it. At home, they're watching pornography, but nobody else knows about it. At home, they're committing immorality, and nobody, nobody else knows about it. And everybody in church says, I wonder what happened to so-and-so. Well, you don't know their sin. If you knew the pieces of the puzzle, it makes sense to you. But publicly they say, I just don't get anything out of that word of God. It must be the preacher. It must be the preacher. That's where it always comes back to, right? I've seen it many a time. They come out of the church. The same message I heard. And one person says, that was the worst thing I've ever heard. It was terrible. The other person's crying and weeping how God blessed them through that message. What happened? Was it two different messages? No, it was the same message. It was how it was received. It was how it was received. He will guide us by his still small voice. He will guide us in the midst of confusion and uncertainty. Isaiah 42, verse 16, will bring the blind by the way that they know not. I will, I will lead them paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and, forsake, and not forsake them. He will guide us into the end of life. Psalm 48, 14, for this, is, for this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our God even unto death. If we're to solve problems, with the, with the, we are to solve problems not with the ways of the world, but dear friends, by, by the word of God. The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. Psalm 119, 130, The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. So the first thing that has to be answered when you're having problems in life, when you're having struggles in life, when you don't know what to do, the first thing you have to ask yourself, and I ask people when I'm counseling, are you listening, are you reading the Word of God? Because if you're not doing that, Finn, you have no hope, you have no help. It starts with the light. Are you exposing yourself to the light on a regular basis? Jethro offered constructive criticism to Moses. He said, this is not good. <laughs> You'll wear away. The text means fading. Wear away means you're fading. You're, you will fade away. You're waste away. Moses, you can't keep this up. When you have too many irons in the fire and you're doing your will, not God's will, you will waste away. You'll waste away from Wednesday night, then Sunday night, then Sunday morning. And everybody will say, what happened to so-and-so? Because they did not listen to instruction. And they turned away from the light of the law of God. That's what happened. 
They got they got too many got too many things going on. Man, it's easy to, it's easy to say yes to stuff because there's a lots of good things out there. Since I've become the pastor of North Gainesville Baptist Church, I've been admonished to help the homeless, help the addicts. Start a camp ministry. Start a school ministry. Start a ministry just for UF students. I could spend all my time and all my day not doing anything but just helping other people. You say, that sounds good. It does sound good, but what about studying this so I can feed you? Because that's my first, my first obligation. I'm supposed to feed the flock of God. <laughs> Pastor Lytell. My former pastor called me a couple weeks ago. It was Sunday night, Saturday night. He said, you ain't going to believe this, but for years and years, other pastors in this area would call me on Saturday night, and they would say, what you preaching on tomorrow? And he would tell them what he's preaching on. He said, well, can you tell them a little more about your message? Saturday night? Saturday night delight? I said, well, what are they doing all week? Golf course. <laughs> oh, dear friend. It's easy. It's easy to not listen when you let other things get in the way. So we see the concern of Jethro. We see the council. Jethro counsels Moses continued to be a mediator to teach the people what type of people are, are going to be those folks who give instruction to the lesser things, the less difficult things. Well, these type of men, as you see the characteristics of these type of men, in verse 20, chapter 18, verse 20, Lord, thou shalt provide out of all these people, it says, able men. These are basically, these are, first of all, able men, men that basically respect, men of influence, men who are, who are gifted, able to teach, apt to teach, able to communicate. These people have to be first, of course, teachable men because you can't help somebody if they're not teachable. You have to teach. They have to be able to teach. You have to be able to be trained. A lot of people aren't teachable. You try to tell somebody something, sometimes they just don't want to hear, just don't want to learn. A great concert pianist, author Rubenstein, used to say that if he missed a day of practice, he noticed in the quality of his performance. If he missed two days, the critics noticed. If he missed three days, the audience noticed. Sometimes people don't, don't, want, it. They don't want to participate, don't want to be involved in it, don't want to work hard, don't want to. And because of that, they're not teachable. No matter who you are, you, we always have to stay teachable. Moses could have said, don't you know who I am? I'm Moses. Heard the Red Sea? Heard the plagues? That was me. No, he didn't have that cocky, can't tell me anything attitude. He listened to his father-in-law. Listen, dear friend, no matter how old you are, how gifted you are, how educated you are, you and I always have to listen. You need, I need to listen to the Bible. Listen to the word. You're not stop, you never stop growing. He said, when do you stop growing? When you die. When you're raptured. When you're, when you're in the ground six feet. That's when you stop learning. Don't ever have the attitude you can't teach an old dog new tricks. No, learn new tricks. The older folks need the younger folks. And the younger folks need the older folks. 
Every part of the church is a necessity. Every part. Every part. That's why we must fellowship, communicate, help one another, encourage one another. It's important. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. They have to be teachable. They have to be able. They have to fear God, verse 21. What does it mean to, mean to fear God? Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy, the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. You must be men of truth. Men of truth, Psalm 51, verse 6, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and the hidden parts. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. We have to be haters of covetousness. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you are. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Incline my heart unto the testimonies not to be covetousness. Proverbs 28, 16, The prince that wanteth understanding is also a great oppressor, but he that hateth covetousness shall prolong his days. A covetous person is always want to get, always want to grasp, always want to gain. Why? Because they're consumed with self. Himself. You know how you defeat covetousness? Start ministering to other people who can do nothing for you. Go to the nursing home. Go to the jail. Go start ministering to people who can do nothing for you. That's how you die to other to your to yourself and live to others. And you know what that does? That gives you joy. Joy is Jesus, others, and you. When you start getting depressed, when you start getting selfish, when you start thinking, well, you know what? If I'm so depressed, if I just press on that Amazon app and buy something, I feel better. No. Be better if you go over and help your neighbor. How about go over and help you and cut your neighbor's grass who's a widow? Ladies, how about cook some cookies and take it over to that widower? Brother Tiny, he'll take them. How about do good? The Bible says do good to all men, but especially the household of faith. Turn that frown upside down and start ministering to other people. The body of Christ. Who's suffering? The Hey, find out. Call Miss Dorothy. Well, pray for Miss Dorothy today. She's homesick. But call Miss Dorothy during the week. Hey, is there anybody who's any shut-ins I can go minister to? Call me, preacher. Anybody can go help? Anybody can, I can encourage? And after I get up off the floor because I fainted and got to get back up, because I don't think I've ever had that phone call in four years, when I wake back up from being unconscious, I will say, here's a list of people I can help that needs help in the church. And you know what? When you get doing that, all that depression, all that sadness, when you've gotten so busy, consumed, helping other people, that will make you happy. And you'll get off those depression pills. And you won't need to spend hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of dollars laying down on a couch listening to somebody who doesn't really know what they're saying. Your life could be different. Your life could be different. If you chose to start with the simple. You know what the simple is? 
the Word of God. You say, preacher, isn't there a need for doctors? Oh, I'm sure there is. There's a need for that. But dear friend, start with the cheapest thing right here. <laughs> start with this. Start with the simple. Then work, from the, then work outside of that. Start by going to the Word of God. I see people, even Christians, make terrible decisions by making drastic changes, and they've not asked one preacher, they've not asked one gray-haired folk in the, in the church about any decision, and they make drastic decisions before praying about it, before seeking God's will, before seeking God's face, before seeking God's word. First thing to do is to pray and ask God for help. Second thing to do is ask wisdom. And how about keep doing that for a little while before calling the doctor? How about doing that? Concern for Jethro, the counsel, and the compliance of Moses, verses 24 through 27. Moses took Jethro's advice and divided the leaders into groups of 10, 50, and 100, and, and thousands. He took his advice. Proverbs says in Proverbs 9, 8, and 9, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Oh, man, you see a scorner? A scorner is a, is a person who's always talking bad about everybody, especially about authority. They hate authority. They despise authority, especially righteous authority. For prove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man. See, a wise man takes instruction, and instead of saying, I hate you, he will say to you, thank you. What is, what is needed in our youth today? To learn to accept instruction. But it's not just good for our youth. It's good for all of us. Accept instruction. Take it. Listen to it. Apply it to your life. You'll get on the internet and you'll type something up and you'll ask Google for something and you'll believe that more than the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll take Google's word over God's word and say it's God's will. Dear friend, be careful, be careful, be careful. No. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Before you make any major decision in life, go around, ask God, godly people, for wisdom. Before you leave your job. Oh, I just got mad and I left my job. That was dumb. If I left my job every time I got, I got mad, I'd never have a job. I'd be homeless. I'd be, I'd be out there sitting out there, right there. I'd be right out there. Homeless. No, friend, when you get mad, you know what you do? You go out and take a chill pill and walk around a little bit. And pray about it and ask God for help. Ask God for wisdom. I'm thinking about divorcing my wife. I'm about divorcing my husband. You better think about that a whole, a whole long time. Because you're not just about to affect you, you might affect everybody around you. Your kids, your family, your church. What's the number one problem in America? We're divided in the home. Starting, we're starting there. Man, when you begin to make major decisions in your life, when you get ready to move, oh, I, I'm just going to up and move. Why? I don't know. I'm just going to move. 
Well, that don't make a whole lot of sense. Okay, where are you going to, what are you going to do when you're going to move? I'm going to get a job. We're going to get a job. I don't know. We're going to go to church. I don't know. I'm just going to move. What? You're going to move and go to a place you don't know where you're going to get a job? I've had people call me on the phone. I'm coming to Florida. Oh, you are. Where are you going to get a job? Where you, where's your job at? I don't have one. Where are you going to live? I don't know. Why are you going to survive? I haven't figured that out. Now, you know, folks, there's a fine line between foolishness and faith. <laughs> and that line, gets, gets, it gets finer and finer as you get closer to the border of Florida. I've seen people actually come to Florida because it's a sunshine state because they hated the cold and they didn't know where they were going to live. They didn't have a job. They just showed up at church and said, preacher, help me. I, I could have helped you a whole lot better if you'd call me six months, let me pray about it and plan it. No. No. Moses realized he had too many brands in the fire. You find yourself in the same dilemma, get caught up, getting busy, doing too much, find yourself burned out, find yourself frustrated. Start, start leaving behind them important things. I don't have time for prayer. Dear friend, you, don't, you, you must make time for prayer. I don't have time for Bible reading. You, 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 you have to have time for Bible reading. I don't have time for witnessing. You need time for witnessing. We just heard Jesus, it was a, his last words, his last words, a person's last words are the most important things they say. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what the last thing he said. I don't have time. What are you doing? In, what are you doing instead of praying? What are you doing instead of praying your Bible? What are you doing instead of instead of instead of witnessing? What are you What are you doing instead of that? Don't you realize, friends, that you're going to stand before God and give an account of your time? Your most valuable asset is not your property. Is not the money in your bank. Your most valuable asset is your time. And if we are going to be judged for anything at the judgment seat of Christ, it will be how we used our time. How are you using your time? How many people did you witness to in the last month, the last year? the last two years, the last five years? How many people have you text, encouraged, strengthened in a relationship with God? Ask yourself those serious questions. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jethro gave some wise words to Moses. Moses, even though he was in a high position of authority, listened to his, his admonition. And because of that, he was successful. I'm begging you tonight to listen from what has been said behind this pulpit. How's your private life? How's your public life? Could it be said of you, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God? And his righteousness. Or would it be said of you. If you were totally honest right now before God. I'm seeking me. I'm seeking me. 
and my kingdom and my righteousness. Which one is it? You see, reality, folks, there's just two choices on the shelf. You're either serving God tonight or you're serving yourself. Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness and your grace. Thank you for this important lesson, the lesson of humility, the lesson of listening, the lesson of learning, a lesson in life to change, to see areas in our life that need to change as Moses did and be willing to do something about it. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. We've heard the word tonight, but we maybe walk away changed. Not just another service, not just another sermon, not just a time of fellowship, but changed because the Holy Spirit of God has spoken to us about an area in our life that needs to be changed. As the music plays this evening, has God spoken to you about an area in your life that needs to change? Your lifestyle, laziness, stubbornness, lack of a teachable spirit, ingratitude. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to you about something? I'm doing my own thing. I'm leading my own life. Nobody can tell you anything. Nobody can teach you anything. Oh, preacher, I'm struggling with my pride. I'm not teachable. I'm struggling tonight. Would you pray for me? God is speaking to me. The Holy Spirit's touched something in my life. I need to change. Would you pray for me? How many be honest this evening? Holy Spirit of God has spoken to me about something tonight. I need to change. Would you pray for me? Let's stand to our feet. If you're here tonight, you don't know Christ as your Savior. I encourage you to come. If you're here tonight and God has spoken to you, would you come?